Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number, 877 I'm thrilled you're tuning in. This show's a little different than most. I won't regurgitate to you what you watched or listened to last night. There are some, um, that, some things that took place last night that I want to discuss. But before we do, you've been hearing a lot about school choice. Vouchers. You've been hearing about uh, parochial schools, private schools, other types of schools. Do you know the history of this? Tim Scott brought it up, and everybody was very excited that he brought it. President of the United States embraces this. I've discussed this with the president myself. This was a brutal legal battle slugged out from state courtrooms all the way up repeatedly to the United States Supreme Court over a period of 30 years that paved the way for school choice. A brutal battle fought in state courtrooms, fought in state Supreme Courts, and then fought in the United States Supreme Court. How do I know? Because among others, Landmark Legal Foundation and its president, Pete Hutchison, were involved in virtually every single one of those court battles. Here's an example. This is from the New York Times, June 11, 1998. In the most significant legal decision yet on the growing use of school vouchers, The Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled yesterday that the city of Milwaukee could spend taxpayer money to send pupils to parochial or other religious schools. In other words, the money vouchers would follow the student. 
and Landmark was representing a Democrat representative in Milwaukee in a poor neighborhood, Polly Williams, and among others, defending the school choice program in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Voting 4-2 to to overturn a lower court ruling, the state's high court said the Milwaukee Parental Choice Program did not violate Wisconsin's existing ban on spending state money for religious seminaries or the First Amendment separation of church and state. The court said the program has a secular purpose and will not have the primary effect of advancing religion. Civil libertarians upset at what they considered a radical departure in court interpretation of the First Amendment, and teachers' unions lamenting the ruling as a blow to public schools vowed on appeal to the United States Supreme Court. Some legal scholars said the decision could form the basis of a test case for the Supreme Court on the extent to which government can support parental choice in using public money to buy a religious school education. Despite the way the propagandists at the New York Times wrote this, it's not about buying a religious education. It's about giving poor kids opportunities. The Wisconsin court said the U.S. Supreme Court decisions make clear that the Constitution was not violated every time money previously in the possession of a state is conveyed to a religious institution. And by the rules of the Milwaukee Parental School Choice Program, begun in 1990, the first of the country's voucher programs, Families below a certain income level can send their children to the school of their choice, public or private, kindergarten through 12th grade, with the tuition paid by the state government. About 1,500, and it goes on in detail. Four other states, Ohio, Arizona, Vermont, Maine, have cases similar to Milwaukee's pending in their state courts. So this was the canary in the coal mine. This was the biggie. The Milwaukee Parental Choice Program. This was the big one. So Americans United for Separation of Church and State, and basically an atheist organization, left-wing religious organizations lined up against it. The AFT and the NEA lined up against it. The ACLU, the NAACP, lined up against it. And we won. Landmark Legal Foundation, Institute for Justice, we won. David B. Goliath. It was a 68-page ruling by the Wisconsin Supreme Court. So it was appealed to the United States Supreme Court. And it was a brutal battle. Brutal. November 9, 1988, 22 years ago, as explained School Reform News, the Heartland Foundation. The United States Supreme Court rejected arguments from one of the most powerful special interest alliances ever assembled in court. The National Education Association, the American Civil Liberties Union, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, People for the America Way, National School Boards Association, other organizations which argue the Milwaukee School Choice Program violates the Establishment Clause of the Constitution's First Amendment. As it was revised three years ago, and that would have been uh, 2001, when it was expanded to include religious schools and up to 15% of the city's 105,000 students, the Milwaukee Parental School Program provides a voucher of up to $5,000 directly to the student, whose parents then select one of the city's 84 private or religious schools where the voucher can be used for tuition. 
6,100 low-income children that year enrolled in the program out of an eligible population of 15,000. Pete Hutchison, general counsel then, now the president of Landmark Legal Foundation. I'm so proud of him and the group. The court's decision today removes the last hurdle for Milwaukee's most disadvantaged children to reach the lifeline of a quality education. This is a victory for countless low-income Americans who are frustrated and ill-served by the giant public school monopoly, he said. Landmark has successfully defended the Milwaukee Parental School Program since 1990, when it was first approved by the GOP-led legislature after being championed by Wisconsin State Representative Annette Polly Williams, State Senator Gary George, and Governor Tommy Thompson. And after a prolonged court battle, the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled in June that the program did not violate the Constitution. And then the United States Supreme Court refused to take it up. We were also involved in the Cleveland case, which did go up to the Supreme Court and in 2002 was upheld by the Supreme Court and Landmark helped build the foundational constitutional arguments for all these cases so that thousands and thousands of low-income children would have an opportunity to go to schools other than the government facility down the street. The amount of brain power, the amount of hours the time and the resources spent fighting to allow school choice in this country for over a decade was massive, significant. And I could not be prouder of Landmark Legal and other legal groups that did that. So when I heard Tim Scott mention it, saying that he has championed school choice, uh, I can tell you that I never heard from Tim Scott during any of that period, and maybe it's because he was too young. I don't know his age. I've invited Tim Scott on my TV shows and my radio show multiple times in the past, and he has refused to come on. Sometimes they don't even answer us. The only time he asked to come on through his staff was when he had a book out, and I said no. And I said no. So I thought Tim Scott gave a beautiful speech. And I think he is a remarkable man for what he he went through and what he's become. But I will say this, Senator Scott, if you truly believe in school choice, at least every now and then a little tip of the hat to the individuals who made it happen. It didn't happen when you were in the House. It didn't happen when you were in the Senate. That road was built through blood, sweat, and tears by very small, underfinanced legal foundations, including mine. And I couldn't be prouder of them. And maybe one of these days you can come on the program and we can both talk about it. I'll be right back. Now I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. 
That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Man, oh Manischewitz, do I have a lot to cover today. Let's start with Hillary. I know it's painful, and Showtime's the circus. Here in part is what she had to say about the election results. Cut one, go. So we've got to have a massive legal operation. I know the Biden campaign is working on that. We have to have poll workers, and I urge people who are able to uh, be a poll worker. We have to have our own uh, teams of people to counter the, the force of intimidation that the Republicans and Trump are going to put outside polling places. This is a big organizational challenge, but at least we know more about what they're going to do. And, you know, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out and eventually, I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch. All right, that's Broomhilda. And let me tell you something. This is exactly what I've been telling you they're going to do. And this fool blurts it out. In simple, small words. So even leftists can understand. She just stated exactly what I told you they're up to. Biden is not going to concede... If they're behind, they're going to sue and they're going to attack Trump. Over the post office, they'll say. When it's really the states that are incapable of handling this. It is a disaster. And the president's exactly right. I don't know how many more times I can say it here. We're at the point of the spear. I keep saying over and over and over again. And if the president decides that there's a lot of hanky-panky going on, and he brings cases here and there. They're going to accuse him of being a dictator who will not accept the outcome of the election and will not leave the Oval Office. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the plot. This is sabotage. They don't care about the country. They don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about the vote and the people. They want power by hook or by crook. Remember, they talked about getting rid of the Electoral College. And now they figured out, flood the system, flood the system. Cloward and Pivens, flood the system. Crash the system. Blame the victim. Blame your opponent. Then grab control. Hillary Clinton's an old Alinskyite. Remember her, college Marxist. Play it again, Mr. Producer, go. 
So we've got to have a massive legal operation. I know the Biden campaign is working on that. We have to have poll workers, and I urge people who are able to uh, be a poll worker. We have to have our own uh, teams of people to counter the the force of intimidation that the Republicans and Trump are going to put outside polling places. This is a big organizational challenge, but at least we know more about what they're going to do. And, you know, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out. And eventually, I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch. She is a tyrant and a traitor by the definition that Eva Pelosi has given out in the past. People who are trying to overthrow your government. That's what this is. Fundamental transformation. That's what that is. The 110-page manifesto. That's what that is. Overthrowing the electoral system. Overthrowing the checks and balances in the Constitution. Dispiriting the American people. It's shocking. There it is in broad daylight. Has anybody heard this played on television? I haven't. Have you, Mr. Producer? She just laid it out. We already knew it. But now it literally comes out of the horse's mouth. May I say, with all due respect. Absolutely incredible. This is the plot. This is the plan. So we have to vote in even bigger numbers to put in some kind of a cushion. This is why the Democrats are demanding that all states have mail-in ballots. This is why they're demanding that the Democrat states put it in place. This is why Nevada, under cover of darkness, just a few weeks ago, did exactly this. They have no experience with massive mail-in voting with every single citizen. And we've seen what's happened in states. We've heard the media say week after week, the states have done this for a long time. And so we look at the states. It's a disaster. And in the state of Washington, that's had it among the longest, they've said it only works pretty well here because we've done it for 10 years. But we're going to go from about 33 million mail-in votes to about 80 million to crash the system. Not so much the post office, the states. The states aren't set up for this. Just last week, Pennsylvania said, ah, hello, are we allowed to count ballots three days after the election? I don't know how many more examples we need. And yes, the post office. You really expect, we already know, over 8%, almost 9% of all ballots that were cast in mail-in voting in the last election. We're duds. That's a big percentage. And so Hillary's saying, we know this is going to happen. We're flooding the system. Just make sure we win in the end and blame Trump. I'll be right back. Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College. 
one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. The champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now, 877-381-3811. The chief of the FDA, it's all over the media, admits to overstating the plasma effect on the virus. The FDA is a monstrous bureaucracy. A monstrous bureaucracy that has saved many lives and has cost many lives. Same with NIH. Same with Dr. Fauci's operation. Now we have television stations that are running wild with what the FDA chief says. My interview with one of the top epidemiologists in the world, a professor at Yale, a PhD and an MD, who's written extensively over 300 peer-reviewed articles, And when he speaks about hydroxychloroquine, you can hear a pin drop. None of the news, none of the newsrooms, CNN, MSNBC, even Fox, gave a damn what the guy had to say. But now the FDA chief comes out and says, you know, maybe we overstated our plasma. It's all over the place. Well, why don't you investigate the FDA chief with respect to hydroxychloroquine? Rather than politicizing the issue... As a Democrat talking point, why don't these newsrooms do it? Because they're gutless, that's why. Because they're gutless. And so people die. That's why they don't do it. We're going to get into the convention. Hang in there. I mean, by the time I come on the air, you've heard most of it already, and in the, in the second day is coming, but there's still some propitious issues that I want to discuss. Ooh. But first, there's an op-ed by a never-Trumper, a very detestable human being by the name of Brett Stevens. And he has this op-ed in the New York Slimes. Biden's loose lips could sink his chances. We elect presidents to lead, not defer. He's getting nervous. He's getting nervous. He says if Joe Biden isn't careful, Donald Trump might have a new nickname for him, Shut Down Joe, or maybe Shut down, Joe. Those monikers came to mind after the former vice president's biggest blunder of the campaign thus far. And it's a whopper. It is a massive blunder. And the Trump campaign needs to run like hell with this. Says, I'm referring to Biden's comment in his interview last week with ABC's David Muir. 
that if scientists advised him to shut down the country again to contain a winter surge of COVID-19 in the flu, quote, I would shut it down. I'd listen to the scientists, unquote. It's the sort of remark that surely plays well with voters who already support him. It might even have notional majority support. But it doesn't help with the voters Biden seeks to avoid antagonizing in swing districts. Few stories bring that reality into sharper focus than Simon Romero's report in Monday's New York Times on New Mexico's neck-and-neck congressional race between first-term Democratic incumbent Representative Torres Small and Yvette Harrell, by the way. Yvette Harrell, the Republican, is fabulous. And this race was stolen from her two years ago. Ooh, mail-in voting! New Mexico has trended Democratic in recent years. And a June poll had Biden with a comfortable lead in the state. But Romero reports red-hot anger in the district over the restrictive coronavirus policies of the Democratic governor, Michelle Lujan Grisham that have helped keep case counts low at a painful economic price. There's open defiance by sheriffs, business owners, and many others of Ms. Luhan Grisham's policies. Turnout in the GOP primary surged by more than 40% over 2016, as against a Democratic increase of 5%. The strategy of running hard to the right by avowing loyalty to Mr. Trump while blasting Democrats for problems associated with the pandemic, Romero adds, could be working for Ms. Harrell, who lost the 2018 race by fewer than 4,000 votes. She had won on Election Day, but you know they're counting afterwards. What's happening in Torres' small district, which is 20, 2016 went for Trump by a 10-point margin, isn't going to decide the presidential race, even in New Mexico, but it offers a taste of a powerful current of anxiety and resentment. But listen to him. That Trump has positioned himself to exploit. Trump isn't exploiting anything. Pointing things out that are truthful and factual, that's not explanation. But Biden doesn't seem to grasp. The anxiety is from people hanging on by their fingernails if they're still hanging on at all. The jobs, businesses, livelihoods, and homes on account of a pandemic whose toll on lives and health can be weighed against the cost of fighting it. In the hierarchy of fears, what is COVID-19 to a healthy 35-year-old restauranteur, excuse me, restaurateur next to the prospect of losing everything except a meager government check? The resentment goes just as deep among those who feel talked down to by people whose own track record as experts leave something to be desired. Remember when, on February 29, the Surgeon General tweeted, Seriously, people, stop buying masks. Remember when the most urgent national need was for more ventilators until those fears proved largely unfounded? Remember when the scientists who hypocritically failed to abide by the sort of strictures they demanded of the public? Of course, he doesn't remember. Remember Fauci told you not to wear a mask? Remember when Fauci said... It's no more or worse than a flu. He says none of this failures of science per se or an excuse for reckless personal behavior. Certainly no justification for Trump's appalling management of the crisis. I told you he's a never Trumper. He's an absolute head case. But it is a failure by people who claim to speak with unassailable authority in the name of science. And loose talk of nationwide shutdowns plays into the fears of voters who feel they have been both impoverished and patronized. It doesn't play into their fears. It's a reality. The danger Biden now courts is twofold. 
He's promising to hand over his decision-making authority to unelected people who, whatever their education, expertise, or virtues, haven't gained the trust of fence-sitting voters. And he's proposing to resort to a strategy that, as a Wall Street Journal reporter, Greg Ipp, reported on Monday, is now being viewed by some economists and even health experts as, quote, an an overly blunt and economically costly tool, unquote, that could have been avoided in favor of, quote, alternative strategies that could slow the spread of the epidemic at much less cost. Did I not have the expert, the professor, the doctor from Yale, a different doctor, on my program on Life, Liberty, and Levin, Three, three and a half, four months ago, saying exactly this, Mr. Producer. He wrote a piece. We brought him on the program. He said, no, 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 this isn't the way to do this. And he was right. All of this creates a dangerous opening for Trump. Voters won't necessarily turn to Biden if they feel he will merely merely rubber stamp these same set of policies that they wanted to avoid in the first place. Democracies elect leaders to lead, not defer. To occasionally buck conventional wisdom, not parrot it. Biden is advising... See, he's scared. He's advising Biden. Just like they don't debate. Don't debate. You'll screw up. Don't debate. Don't talk like this. You're going to lose the election. What do you mean you want to shut down everything? Save it for after the election. Keep your mouth shut. Keep him in the basement. Put a bag over his head. Biden's advisors may suppose they're on a glide path to election against a manifestly flawed and failed incumbent. But they face an opponent who fights best when he's cornered. It will take the same ruthless political advantage of Biden's line that George W. Bush's campaign did of George Kerry's calamitous classic about the Iraq war. I actually did vote for the $87 billion before I voted against it. The Hippocratic oath for the Biden campaign should be first do no harm. Well, that's too late, dummy. Because they nominated Biden. And all he can do is harm. The next time Biden is asked about lockdowns, he might cite a line from John F. Kennedy, scientists alone can establish the objectives of the research, but society, in extending support to science, must take into account its own needs. That's a line to win over wavering voters. Brett Stevens. Brett, why don't you leave the New York Slimes as you left the Wall Street Journal and just work for Biden? You can be a speechwriter for him. But remember, three-letter, four-letter words. Put the lines where the breaks are in the word. Nice big fonts, maybe 24, 36 font, one card at a time. And have them practice five or six times. But this is precisely why Joe Biden is not public. This is precisely where the Praetorian Guard media are protecting him. This is precisely why nobody gets to ask him about his 110-page Marxist manifesto. And then if the guy gets up and gives a good speech reading off a teleprompter, my God, was he outstanding. Yeah, the light and the dark, and the evil and the good, and the schmuck and the non-schmuck. Oh, this guy Biden. He's the Robert Frost of our era. Nobody's ever... He's unbelievable, the harmony and the rhythm and the speed. Oh, it's poetry in motion. Unbelievable, this Biden. We have a question. Uh, Science uh, doctors say no. See in four months. That's why Joe Biden won't come out. When 90% of the population that can work is working. 
some people taking jobs well below their, their prior jobs or professions. Some people taking on more than one job, part-time jobs, people doing anything to make a buck and take care of themselves and their family. Joe Biden isn't listening to scientists. Joe Biden isn't listening to doctors. Joe Biden is hiding from the American people, which is a disgrace. You want to be elected president of the United States, you have a duty to make yourself available to the people. But he won't do it because he's not qualified to be president. He cannot handle the job. I'll be right back. Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time. Because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in. Whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. So many places to go and so many things to do. In the next hour, we'll dip into a bit of the uh, convention that took place last night. And what I asked Mr. Producer to do so I could go through them today is none of the politicians, the citizens. I thought that was the genius in last night's uh, convention. I also thought the opening video with John Voigt narrating was terrific. And if you love this country... If you're proud of your country, you did have little tingling going up your leg. Or what did he say? Chris Matthews? Whatever it was. A shiver going up your leg. Because it was about Americanism and patriotism and the greatness of the American people and the great things that we've achieved and can achieve. We didn't give voice to the rioters. We denounced the rioters. We didn't give voice to the arsonists, we denounced the arsonists. We didn't give voice to the Marxists, we denounced the Marxists. Just like the, so many of us believe and embrace this kind of mentality. Now, Pew has done a study of the top issues for voters this election cycle. It just came out very recently. And I'm reading with one eye because I'm partially unable to see in one eye. The economy, 79%. Healthcare, 68%. 
Supreme Court appointments, 64%. The coronavirus outbreak, 62%. Violent crime, 59%. So let's stop right there. The economy, 79%. Everybody knows that Joe Biden has no idea about the private sector, economic growth, capital investment, R&D, any of it. He's a disaster. He's demonstrated that his entire life. So the president should be favored with the top issue in the country, the economy. And so when Joe Biden says that he would shut down the whole country, if Anthony Fauci told him to, if Burks told him to, if the head of the FDA told him to, you know, the same people, don't wear a mask, do wear... People need to keep that in mind. Third Supreme Court appointment, 64%. We know the president wants to put on the court constitutionalists. The coronavirus outbreak, I know, with a slobbering media, the Democrats have been able to sort of push this narrative. But I don't think there's another person who, as president of the United States who could have done everything Donald Trump has done and is doing. I really don't. And violent crime. Violent crime, a top issue among the American people. It didn't even come up during the Democrat convention. Supreme Court appointments, to the best of my knowledge, didn't even come up during the Democrat convention. They won't release a list of who it is that Biden would put on the court because you would be repulsed by it. Repulsed. By the way, the last of the top issues on the list is abortion. So some of you ladies in the suburbs may be very upset about that, but I thought you'd want to know. The economy. There's only one candidate who's trying to open up the economy, and that's Trump. I put a, I put a liner out there a couple of months ago that's been picked up here and there. Donald Trump is for jobs. Joe Biden is for mobs. Even the president contacted me and told me he liked that one. But there you go. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I'm going to tell you something that may be unpopular in certain places. There's shooting in Kenosha little town in Wisconsin. The same lawyers are there. They demand that these policemen be arrested. And those lawyers don't have all the facts. We saw an 8 to 10 second video. The American people don't have all the facts. This can't wait. Until an investigation is conducted? What, what is going on in this country? What is going on in this country? 
that now every incident, and they look bad, and they may well be really bad, but now every incident we have mob justice. Mob justice, like the old cowboy movies. Forgot LeBron James popping off. He has no idea what took place. I have no idea what took place. All we saw were 8 to 10 seconds on a video. Guy was shot in the back. But the guy was reaching in his car. And now there's another video that shows that there was in fact a scuffle or worse on the other side of the car. And then we learn that he has a fairly significant criminal record. I'm not a special pleader for anyone or any race or anything. But I am deeply troubled by this mob justice now. And the media participate in it. And the media participate in it. Now, here we have Joel Pollack, who is a good guy, serious guy, not a racist, not a white supremacist. Very smart fellow, lawyer, Harvard graduate. And he writes in Breitbart, Jacob Blake, the 29-year-old black man shot by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin on Sunday, was wanted on charges of sexual assault, among others, according to the AP. The AP said, quote, online court records indicate Kenosha County prosecutors charged Blake on July 6th with third-degree sexual assault, trespassing, disorderly conduct, connection with domestic abuse, an arrest warrant was issued for Blake the following day. The records contain no further details and do not list an attorney for Blake. That's the AP. Then we have another article from 2015. Describes Blake, age 24, who had to be subdued by a police dog after he resisted arrest following an armed, armed altercation in a bar. And keep in mind, the police call this up. They know this. This is from the local Racine County Eye. Here's what it reported. Jacob Blake, 24 of Racine, was charged Monday in Racine County Circuit Court with one felony of resisting arrest causing a soft tissue injury to a police officer, one misdemeanor count each of carrying a concealed weapon, carrying a firearm while intoxicated, endangering safety, use of a dangerous weapon, and disorderly conduct. If convicted, he'll face up to eight and a half years in prison and or $50,000 in fines. Now, I don't know what to make of all this. I don't know what to make of all this, and neither does LeBron James. And the lawyers for this family, they don't have all the facts either. Run around and say, we insist you arrest these police officers. That's not the way our system works, or at least not the way it used to work. You just don't start arresting police officers. We need the facts. Now, all that said, I am watching a lot of the video of what's taking place in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And I want to tell the cable stations that are using this, most of this comes from a reporter for The Blaze. And you're not giving credit to this young man, and I will have him on Levin TV on Thursday, who is in Kenosha, Wisconsin, putting his life on the line and videoing All the violence that's taking place. You should at least give him credit for it. I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there's something about this business that's unbelievable. That aside, I'm watching some of this video. And again, not all, but most 
of the violence is being done by white young people dressed in black. So Antifa is back. Not all, I want to be abundantly clear, but they're bringing the same umbrellas, the same fireworks, the same techniques, and so forth. And I'm not saying that some of this isn't the people in the community. That's the third time I've said it. But you can see the, 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 the militia, paramilitary tactics that Antifa used, that they were taught uh, by, uh, by other uh, Marxist and anarchist organizations. So why are you burning people's homes? Why are you destroying their cars? You don't even know who these people are. You don't even know who these people are. Is that the way everybody should act? When they think something's been wrong, go into a community and start burning their houses down? No, I don't think so. And the more and more of this that you see, the more and more you realize this really does need to be put down. Over 20 people were murdered in three cities over the weekend, all black. You don't know their names. Other than statistics, you don't, they don't get any attention. None. None. They're human beings too, you know. Now why do I pick on LeBron James? Because LeBron James puts himself out front. He wants to be tested. He wants his public record to be tested. His comments to be tested. He doesn't know anything about this other than what he saw in that, that short video. And here's what he said yesterday. Cut 16, Mr. Producer, go. If you're sitting here telling me that there was no way to subdue that gentleman um, or, or detain him or to just before the firing of guns, um, then you, you, you're sitting here and you're lying to not only me, you're lying to every African American, every black person in the community, because we see it over and over and over. Actually, you don't see it over and over and over again, because these kinds of shootings are actually quite rare. No, you don't see it over and over again. And those statistics come from the Washington Post, which is hardly a pro-cop newspaper. No, you don't see it over and over again. And you have no idea what took place here. You watch the video. So go ahead, take them out and what? Guillotine them? Be done with it? Go ahead. If you watch the video, there was multiple moments where if they wanted to, they could have they could have tackled him. They could have grabbed him. You know, they that they could have done that. And why why does it always have to get to a point where we see the guns fire. But it doesn't always get to a point where we see the guns firing. It does not. Cut 17, LeBron James, go. It's just, it's just, uh... Alright, watch it. Quite frankly, it's just fucked up in our community. And I said, I know people get tired of hearing me say it, but we are scared as black people in America. Black men, black women, black kids, we are, we are terrified. Because you don't know. You have no idea. You have no idea how that cop 
that day left the house. So he has a whole scenario of what took place. A whole scenario of what took place. And he has no idea what took place. None. None. Cop had a bad day and so forth and so on. And the news media sit back. They're not doing any investigations. Maybe those cops deserve to have the book thrown at them. But maybe they don't. This isn't like an eight and a half minute video or something of that sort. Or very long video that we saw in the, in the Floyd case. No, this is different. And yet the media are not investigating. They just sit back and they wait. And then the lawyer who seems to show up at every one of these things. What's his name? Crum or something or other? Crump? Yeah, Crump. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I don't remember his name. Crump. He just seems to show up at every one of these. And Al Sharpton will be next. And that doesn't get to the truth. That doesn't get to justice. You know, here's the thing. Let's take it a different way. The cops are trying to detain you. So why don't you let them detain you? One of the things you don't do is you walk around to the driver's side of the car, you open the door, and you reach in. That you don't do. That I know not to do. I'm a white guy. Well, actually an olive-skinned guy. But you get the point. Particularly with three little kids in the car. What's up, officer? What's going on? What's the problem? What did I do? Blah, blah, blah. Everybody's been there. Everybody's been there. But when you, 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 what do you got? Four, five, six, seven, I don't know how many were there. Officers, their guns are drawn and you're blowing them off and you're going to the other side of the car. And a longer video shows that you had some kind of an altercation with them on the, on the passenger side. And to hear LeBron James say this, he doesn't have the facts. You're going to listen to, a, to the lawyer for the family. He has all the facts. No, he doesn't have all the facts. And he's an advocate. And I understand that. And that's okay. But I want to know the facts. And now what? What am I? Am I a problem now? Because I want to know the facts. I'll be right back. Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Antifa is very mobile. Black Lives Matter very mobile, aren't they, folks? They look at an opportunity and they try to exploit it. 
We need the facts. Rapper Ice Cube. Now, I have to confess, I'm not a follower of Rapper Ice Cube. I'm not a follower of anybody. I live in my own little cultural bubble. I prefer it that way, but I do, I do watch things. Now, that said, he said some very anti-Semitic things not that long ago. And he was confronted by Mort Klein, the great leader of the ZOA, Zionist Organization of America. And they actually met. And they had a meal together. They got along great. And Ice Cube apologized for what he had said. I was unaware of this, but Mort sent out information pointing this out. So I just want to put that in context. People say, what are you, what are you playing a video from Ice Cube? Well, I'm not playing a video for any of that. <clears throat> I'm playing a video for a different reason. And uh, as I say, I'm not praising this man, but he is part of the culture. I want you to hear this video that he posted recently. Go ahead. Over the last four days, the Democratic National Party held a convention. A lot of people, you know what I mean, getting up there and talking and everybody really eating it up, you know, Throwing their hands in the air like they just don't care damn near. So it's, it's uh, you know, what I didn't hear is what's in it for us? What's in it for the black community besides the same old thing we've been getting from these um, parties? What's in it for us, for real? I didn't hear anybody mention a contract with black America. And I don't know why, because it's one of the most comprehensive um, reform uh, documents that's come about in a long time that could really address the problem. The way it look, they don't have a plan. Everybody's, you know, talking about get Trump out, get Trump out, get Trump out. If you vote, that, that's going to happen in, on the first day. So now what? Trump out, now what? What? What do we get in the first hundred days? That's what we're trying to figure out. What do we actually get that we that they could give us overnight like that? And it's interesting because that kind of echoes what Trump said several years ago to the African American community. What do you have to lose? You know what you're gonna get with the other side, broken promises. And Trump has done a number of things as president that are directed to improve African-American communities. He's not saying he's done. He's not saying he's that. But he's done things that, that Obama-Biden didn't do. And the Democrat Party's not going to do. School choice being one of them. I know. I was involved in those, that, the, those matters. Long before anybody speaking at the Republican convention last night. And so he's got... He's got a great point. And that really should be directed at LeBron James and Oprah Winfrey, who are all in for Biden, all in for the Democrat Party. What's going to happen next? Well, let me ask you this. What happened after Obama and Biden were elected? What happened the next day? What happened for eight years? Not a hell of a lot. Not a hell of a lot at all. And now we have communities burning. Many of them are black communities, not all of them. This little town in Wisconsin isn't, primarily. 
And the voices of the people who live in these communities are utterly ignored. Utterly ignored. I mean, I'm not going to keep doing this. I've got a poll of uh, minorities. Do they want police forces cut? No. Some of them, many of them, want more police. Because they know when the cameras are gone, when LeBron James isn't looking, when the white liberals aren't looking anymore after the election, they're stuck with what's left. They're stuck. They know who's killing whom. You've got this this police shooting that will be investigated, trust me, by every level of government. And then you have the slaughter that takes place every weekend and many weekday nights in our inner cities. You don't see the state police rushing in, the FBI rushing in. It doesn't happen. You see mayors protecting their own streets. It's, a, it's shocking. This mayor in Chicago and this mayor in Portland, they're protecting their own streets. The street where they have homes. But everything else is up for grabs. So what is in it for the black community to keep voting for the Democrats? What is in it? The radical left agenda is so contrary to the black experience. It's so contrary to the experience of the African American, of the Hispanic American, of the Jewish American. It's so contrary. It is a foreign, alien ideology that entraps people. That's what it is. I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Mark Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Very few presidents have faced the kind of multiple crises that Donald Trump has faced. Tell me, do you think Joe Biden can handle this or Kamala Harris? Do you think most Republicans who ran against Donald Trump in the Republican primary in 2016 could handle this? In addition to the crises the pandemic, the economy, the Marxist efforts in our cities. He's got the fifth column he's fighting, the Democrat Party and the media and Hollywood and entertainment and the sports conglomerate. He's got criminal investigations taking place in New York where that attorney general should be subjected to an investigation by the New York Bar, by the Supreme Court of New York, or the highest court of New York, 
for violations of the various uh, New York uh, codes of ethics for, for lawyers and prosecutors. And yet he stands strong. He could have given this all up after four years, said, you know, I did my best. But he didn't and he wouldn't. He's fighting them. Which is very, very important for us. I wish more millionaires and billionaires would step up like he does, but, but they see what happens. You know, refinancing to consolidate debt is an attractive option for a variety of reasons. Makes debt payments more affordable and oftentimes can help with building your credit. Now, folks, mortgage rates continue to remain extremely low, making it worth your while to consider a mortgage refinance. And you can easily do so with the help from my friends at American Financing. And I'm going to warn you right now, it's just a matter of time. And I don't know when. Just a matter of time when inflation kicks in heavy duty in this country. And you'll be kicking yourselves if you don't call American Financing now. They know what they're doing because they've been around for 20 years. They're helping people just like you save up to $1,000 a month, sometimes more. So imagine potentially over $10,000 a year. Plus, you don't have to restart your loan term, meaning you're not paying interest on years you don't need that you've already paid interest on. Not every lender can do that, but American Financing can. Find out for yourself by calling 888-900-1828. That's 888-900-1828. They're there now. I strongly encourage you. Start the process. 888-900-1828. Or you can go online and visit them at AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. All right, just a little bit, because most of you heard most of this, but I was impressed with, with a number of people, with a lot of people. But I think the, the gentleman who escaped Cuba, that really drew my, my attention, and my wife and I were actually tearing up. My wife, who's a fan of Ice Cube. No, I'm just kidding. She's the one who brought that video to my attention. Hat tip, Julie! Anyway, uh, and by the way, Kimberly Guilfoyle, who they attack, your speech was brilliant and passionate. And I want to thank you for that. The left claims to like strong women, but they don't. They like corrupt women like Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi. Maximo Alvarez was his name, fled Cuba. And he was at the Republican National Convention. Here in part is what he said. Cut four, go. Keep in mind the other guy running for president is mostly concerned about power. Yes, yes, power for them, but not for the benefit of all Americans. I'm speaking to you today because I have seen people like this before. I've seen movements like this before. I've seen ideas like this before. And I am here to tell you, we cannot let them take over our country. I heard the promises of Fidel Castro, and I can never forget all those who grew up around me, who look like me, who suffered and starved and died because they believed those empty promises. They swallowed the communist poison pill. If you have a chance, Go to the Freedom Tower in Miami. Stop and listen. You can still hear the sounds of those 
broken promises. It is the sound of waves in the ocean carrying families clinging to pieces of wood. Families with children who can swim, but willing to risk everything to reach this blessed land. Mm -hmm. As you watch the burning and you listen to blessed men and women who are wealthy beyond the world's experience in the past, trashing their country, assuming the worst of everybody. Cut five, go. Most heard unlike the promises, but soon after, they experience the reality. Look at them, listen to them, learn the truth. Those false promises spread the wealth, free education, free health care, defund the police, trust the socialist state more than your family and your community. They don't sound radical to my ears. They sound familiar. And Fidel Castro was asked if he was a communist. He said he was a Roman Catholic. He knew he had to hide the truth. But the country I was born in is gone, totally destroyed. When I watch the news in Seattle, Chicago, Portland, and other cities, when I see the history being rewritten, when I hear the promises, I've heard echoes, I've hear echoes of the former life I never wanted to hear again. I see shadows I thought I had outrun. And that is the real America compared to the real tyranny. The real America compared to the real tyranny. You're not going to see people holding onto wood, to logs, to inner tubes, leaving America for anywhere. LeBron, Oprah, Joe, Nancy, let alone you, none of you. Because what you do in America to make you extraordinarily rich doesn't matter in most countries. Most countries you wouldn't be free to do any of it. Andrew Pollack was amazing. And he lost his beautiful daughter Meadow in Parkland, Florida. You know the mass shooting that took place there. Cut 10, go. And I got to see who President Trump really is. He's a good man and a great listener. And he cuts through the BS. Then the president did what he said he would do. He took action. He formed a school safety commission that issued dozens of recommendations to make schools safer. But I'll bet you never heard about that. Instead, the media turned my daughter's murder into a coordinated attack on President Trump, Republicans, and our Second Amendment. In fact, when President Trump asked me and other parents of children that were murdered in school shootings to join him as he announced the commission's findings, the media's first question wasn't about protecting kids. Shockingly, they asked about the government shutdown. President Trump turned to me appalled and said, Andy, can you believe these people? We're trying to talk about school safety, and this is what they do. But I could believe it. After my daughter's murder, the media didn't seem interested in the facts. So I found them myself. 
I could listen to these magnificent people all day long. And these are the people I want to hear. Herschel Walker, another private citizen, fabulous athlete, born-again Christian. Here's what he had to say. Cut six, go. It hurt my soul to hear the terrible names that people call Donald. The worst one is racist. I take it as a personal insult that people would think I've had a 37-year friendship with the racist. People who think that don't know what they're talking about. Growing up in the Deep South, I've seen racism up close. I know what it is, and it isn't Donald Trump. Just because someone loves and respects the flag, our national anthem, and our country, doesn't mean they don't care about social justice. I care about all those things. So does Donald Trump. He shows how much he cares about social justice in the black community through his actions. And his actions speak louder than stickers or slogans on a jersey. He keeps right on fighting to improve the lives of black Americans and all Americans. He worked night and day. He never stops. He leaves nothing on the field. Some people don't like his style, the way he knocks down obstacles that get in the way of his goals. People on the opposing team didn't like when I ran over them either. But that's how you get the job done. These are very impressive Americans, American citizens. Mark and Patty McCluskey, lawyers, and I thought Democrats. And you remember them. All they were doing is trying to protect their home under the Second Amendment. The St. Louis prosecutor, installed by George Soros, as dozens across the country have been, didn't charge anybody trespassing or, or doing any damage to the community, they charged Mark and Patty McCloskey for holding their weapons. And Patty's handgun was disabled. And this prosecutor had the handgun put back together so it would be seen as being, I guess you would call it an active weapon. They didn't shoot anybody. But they stood there and warned people to leave them alone because their lives were being threatened. Here's what they had to say last night. Cut eight, go. America is such a great country that not only do you have the right to own a gun and use it to defend yourself, but thousands of Americans will offer you free advice on how to use it. At least that's what we experienced. What you saw happen to us could just as easily happen to any of you who are watching from quiet neighborhoods around our country. And that's what we want to speak to you about tonight. That's exactly right. Whether it's the defunding of police, ending cash bail so criminals can be released back out on the streets the same day to riot again, or encouraging anarchy and chaos on our streets, it seems as if the Democrats no longer view the government's job as protecting honest citizens from criminals, but rather protecting criminals from honest citizens. Not a single person in the out-of-control mob you saw at our house was charged with a crime. But you know who was? We were. They've actually charged us with felonies for daring to defend our home. Uh And cut nine, please, go. They're not satisfied with spreading the chaos and violence into our communities. They want to abolish the suburbs altogether by ending single-family home zoning. 
This forestry zoning would bring crime, lawlessness, and low-quality apartments into now-thriving suburban neighborhoods. President Trump smartly ended this government overreach, but Joe Biden wants to bring it back. These are the policies that are coming to a neighborhood near you. So make no mistake, no matter where you live, your family will not be safe in the radical Democrats' America. At this moment in history, if you stand up for yourself and for the values our country was founded on, the mob, spurred on by their allies in the media, will try to destroy you. You've seen us on your TV screens and Twitter feeds. You know that we're not the kind of people who back down. Thankfully, neither is Donald Trump. And there you have it. We'll be right back. One of the things we're learning right now is the difference between what we conservatives believe and what the radical left believe. We believe in the rule of law. They believe in anarchy. We respect our founders and our history. And they want to tear them down. We believe in liberty. They believe in tyranny. We believe in the truth. Well, they believe what they hear on CNN and read in the New York Times. Now, our friends at the Media Research Center have captured this beautifully in some billboards they just put up. And they read, believe in America, not the media. You can't really believe in both these days. People who believe in our country and love our country aren't watching CNN or reading the New York Times. That's where people go when they want to hear how terrible America is. I think this is the perfect rallying cry for these times. Believe in America, not the media. The MRC is also making bumper stickers that say this, and you can get one free while they last by going to mrcsticker.com. Man, let's get them on a million cars and trucks. mrcsticker.com. And get your free Believe in America, Not the Media bumper sticker from the MRC today. That's mrcsticker.com. Ami Horowitz is another brave citizen journalist. And he went into uh, Omar's community in Minneapolis. And as you know, Omar is a full-throated anti-Semite. The evidence is overwhelming. And listen, as he went through the community, and a lot of this is a community... um, that is, uh, is where, where's that country? I'm trying to remember the name of it. Somalia. A lot of these are Muslims from Somalia who've come over to this country and have not really assimilated into the country. Cut 12, go. My name is Ami Horowitz, and there's a rumor going through the Islamic world that the Jews started the coronavirus. One of the most damaging anti-Semitic lies throughout history is that Jews have purposefully started diseases. So I went to Ilan Omar's district in Minneapolis to ask the local Muslim population if they believe those rumors. You think the Jews created the coronavirus to target Muslims? Yeah. The Jews kind of built a weapon? Yes, I believe that. Yep. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. You're on the right track. But I, I believe, yeah, it is. I think that's true, man. They're trying to get... Those people who are heartless, man. The Jewish, they, they do all kind of stuff, but terrible stuff. Depopulization, especially uh, in the uh, Muslim community. So they want to destroy Muslims. That's what I think. 
definitely Israel uh, could have had a, uh, a, hand force, a hand in it. They're trying to like, they're trying to torture all type of Muslims. The Jews might be responsible for it. Definitely, or um, and or Russia or China. They all work. They all. They all work with each other. They want to rule the world, all that stuff. Is there truth that now all the Jewish industrialists are buying all the stocks and all the all the land because it, all the prices fell because of the virus? Yep, it is true. In, in my assumption, I'm thinking a lot of very powerful people uh, put together something on the stocks. Everything's cheap now. You could buy you want you could, you want you could buy all the lands. They probably want to buy all the Muslim lands so they can control Muslims. So that was the plan, you think? Yeah, they think they're the best in the world. But they're not. They're following Satan guidance, you know. They believe in Antichrist. Do you think that the community in general this is a pretty common view? Pretty common view uh, for Muslim Americans. Well, I hope that's not true, but it's certainly a common view in the group of people that Ami Horowitz spoke to. And I'm sure most of them are going to vote. You think any of them are going to vote Republican, Mr. Reducer? I don't think so. Now, I can tell you as a Jew, and the vast majority of you are not, which is why I'm so blessed to have all of you in this audience, because we share our Americanism. As a Jew, this is never discussed on ESPN, by basketball players, by football players, by hockey players, by baseball players, by sports commissioners. Never, ever. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin, our number 877-381-3811, By the way... Are you registered to vote out there, folks? Please make sure you are. I'm going to play this uh, Ice Cube again, this video that was put out, I think, today. Again, I, I'm i not part of anybody else's uh, rapper scene or anything of the sort. That's not the point here. I'm not pretending to be anything other than I am. But I think it's very, very interesting what he has to say. Mark, I mean, go ahead. Over the last four days, the Democratic National Party held a convention. A lot of people, you know what I mean, getting up there and talking and everybody really eating it up, you know, throwing their hands in the air like they just don't care damn near. So it's, it's uh, you know, what I didn't hear is what's in it for us? What's in it for the black community? besides the same old thing we've been getting from these um, parties. What's in it for us, for real? I didn't hear anybody mention a contract with black America. 
And I don't know why, because it's one of the most comprehensive um, reform uh, documents that's come about in a long time that can really address the problem. The way it look, they don't have a plan. Everybody's, you know, talking about get Trump out, get Trump out, get Trump out. If you vote, that, that's going to happen in, on the first day. So now what? Trump out, now what? What? What do we get in the first hundred days? That's what we're trying to figure out. What do we actually get that we that they could give us overnight like that? Mark, Atlanta, Georgia, Sirius Satellite. Go, sir. First thing I'm going to say, Mr. Levin, it's an honor to speak with you. Thank now, you. to go straight into what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. What are we going to get? He's already addressed. We addressed the black college situation. We addressed uh, unemployment in the black community. Now, what are we going to get? Well, what are we going to get from Joe Biden? Absolutely nothing. So I'm thankful that you 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 allow me this platform to make this moment to speak. Mm-hmm. As a black person, 53 years old, I raised my son, and the number one thing that I told my son, position yourself to where you can not be locked up or not be able to not go to school. Take advantage of what's going on. A lot mm-hmm. of black people in this community, because I speak on Trump, I wear a Trump mask. I haven't done it recently. I did it when it first started. Got all backlash. Mm. Now we fast forward. At this moment right now, only thing I'm just going to close this out with, mm-hmm. as black people, if you looking at this and you haven't done case history on the Democratic Party and how they've tried to hold you down, and keep you all discombobulated, all misconstrued, all these different terms that creates confusion, which is the same thing that they're trying to create within this election to stop a man that's trying to hold back. Donald Trump is the finger in the dike in the water. Mm-hmm. Once he leaves, who is going to be there to fill this void to keep this country on an even plane. And I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to a dissertation. Thank you, Mr. Levin, for having this. Thank you very much. Well, Mark, can I ask you a question? I want to thank you, first of all. Do you you get a sense? I mean, we hear from athletes and Oprah, and we hear from white media types and on and on, and Democrats. Do you get a sense that people in your community, in your specific neighborhood, in that community, are getting sick and tired of the violence and getting sick and tired of what's taking place? You know the problem, Mark? I'm yeah. going to be completely honest with you. Nope. Oh, boy. They're willing to accept that. And I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia. And, no, we haven't had the violence, but you go back a couple of months, we went through a week of it. Mm-hmm. And then we had Keisha come in and battle with the governor. Mm-hmm. We got a governor that's trying to move forward. We un- 
at a certain level, we understand what's going on. Now, can I give you, you know, you you real good on the analytics, the statistics on it, the numbers. Right. I can't give you that. Mm-hmm. But what I can tell you is it's a bubbling. And, no, everybody's not going to go out there because, yes, I'm a Trump supporter. I've been with him since day one. Will I put a sticker on my car, put a flag out there in my house? No. Isn't that amazing that in our own country you can't even voice support for a particular party or candidate? Isn't that shocking? The sad part is if I'm trying to spread the positivity, the positivity of a movement of a country, okay, well, you don't like him. I, I, I give it to, like, anybody else. When your, you, when your parents said, no, you can't do that, are you going to run through the house and tear up the whole house because your parents said, no, you can't go to Sally House today? Mm-hmm. All right, my so, friend. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Levine. I appreciate this time. I'm going to continue you, listening. You, you can call me Mark. Same name as yours. Easy. No. I'm going to give you your respect, sir. Well, you're very give kind. Give you your respect. And God bless you, sir. And thank you. What a classy gentleman. Classy, classy gentleman. Let's continue. Let's go to uh, Al, Paducah, Kentucky, XM Satellite. Yes, Al. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm so glad you opened your show with this because this is something that's bothered me for a long time. I was kind of surprised, really, right at the beginning of the uh, pandemic when they talked about the stimulus, Pelosi kind of tipped her hand and started talking about money for mail-in voting. Immediately. Immediately. Yep. And it, was, and it was totally ignored. And here's what I think is going to happen. The polls are, are, are garbage. No one is going to vote for Biden. He's not winning. Those samples are not accurate. I think what this is all about is the fact that they know they have an unelectable ticket. They put a ticket up there that they can manipulate because they're not electable candidates, not, not by the, the populace. So what they felt they could do was manipulate through the mail-in voting, cheat, get these people elected, and then uh, they can say, well, Biden was ahead in the polls. Of course he won. There's nothing wrong with these mail-in votes. And if for some reason Biden doesn't win, if they don't get enough cheat by mail-in, then they can say, well, Biden was ahead in the polls. Trump clearly stole the election, and that'll give them a reason for anarchy, more hearings, and do what they can to try to uh, disrupt his presidency. I think this has been their plan from the beginning. I mm-hmm. think it's been ignored. Trump has mentioned it, but not enough of the conservative media have talked about this. And, and what Well, I talk about it every damn day. I even do TV shows on it, so that's the best we can do, but... Talking about it's one thing, what the administration needs to do, what the Trump campaign needs to do, is make sure they have lawyers in all these areas where this is going to take place, and damn good ones. And that requires organization, that requires good management, that requires good execution. Because it could well be that this this, this election is going to be won in some backwoods courthouse in some battleground state. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call, which has been my concern from day one. I hope I'm wrong. Rod, Fargo, North Dakota, XM Satellite. Rod, you're on. Go. Hey, Mark. Pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Um, 
along the same lines as the last caller. So up here, I read more so on the country, there's Trump signs everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I see absolutely no campaigning for the Democratic Party. But you're in North uh, Dakota. They don't normally campaign in North Dakota, meaning well, Democrat I, presidential candidates. Uh, I read Minnesota, and that state's typically Democratic, right? Well, Minnesota, here's what's happening. Some of these Democrat states, particularly Midwestern states, with blue-collar workers, are starting to move Republican. West Virginia was an early one. It's not a Midwestern state, but it was an early one. And some of these Republican states are starting to move Democrat. You're starting to see some demographic movement. Um, so, but I, And I love North Dakota, but it's not exactly the weather vane for the rest of the country. You understand. Right, but look at how smug Biden was after the, their convention in his basement. He, he said, I'm going to win. How can they be so smug and not be campaigning and be so confident to win unless they're going to rig the election with mail-in voting? Uh, listen, I, I don't disagree. And I'm telling you, it's heads I win, tails you lose. That's where they are right now. Because, to explain the scenario again, if they're ahead and Trump challenges some of these mail-in votes, they're going to say Trump is a dictator who refuses to accept the results of the election. The Praetorian Guard, Democrat Party media, has been trying to set up Trump on that line over and over again. On the other hand, if Trump's ahead, they intend to go into court. Any problems, they're not going to blame the states unless the Republican states. They'll blame the post office. That's why they're laying out these conspiracy theories. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. Maybe what I need to do, Mr. Producer, is play some of what took place on my Sunday Fox show. So people understand that we are on top of this here. Way, way, way on top of this here. And the president even tweeted it out. I think it had almost 3 million views just based on that. But we had another massive ratings audience for our Sunday show. And I didn't even have the president on. Um, on the issue of mail-in voting. And then the second half, hydroxychloroquine. Massive uh, for a Sunday evening show. And so I think we're going to revisit some of this. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Well, if you don't watch Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sundays, well, you're in a minority. The president actually watches this show, and I think you would enjoy it very, very much. I can't do that show on this show, but a few small clips to make the point that I made to the last caller. I'm in reviewing Hans von Spakovsky, 
who is a former commissioner of the Federal Election Commission. He was also for several years in the uh, federal voting fraud section of the Civil Rights Division, enforcing federal law. And now he's with the Great Heritage Foundation. Cut 18, go. So my question, Hans, is all this debate, the Democrats are setting this up. If we only had another $3.5 billion for the postal office, we could fix this. $25 billion overall. And I'm saying you give them $100 billion. That's not going to fix a damn thing. What do you think? Uh, Well, no, you're right about that. Look, as you pointed out, the Postal Service has been losing money for years. And their biggest problem is that they're poorly managed, poorly organized, and any and all reforms that have been proposed to try to turn them into a modern functioning organization that uh, is efficient the way, for example, uh, private companies like Federal Express are, have been opposed by the, I think it's seven unions that represent the employees of the Postal Service. Uh, You know, typical Washington speak is throw money at the problem. That is not going to solve the organizational and management problems at the Postal Service that cause these problems. And look, the mail delays in absentee ballots, the misdelivery of ballots, the failing to put postmarks on the envelopes uh, of absentee ballots, this is a problem that's been going on for years. And suddenly throwing money at it two months before the election isn't going to resolve a problem that they have had for the, the long period that they have. Mm-hmm. And cut 19, where uh, mail-in voting is going to be a constitutional mess, potentially a disaster. Go ahead. Wouldn't this be a disastrous constitutional mess? It would. Uh, Again, it took New York six weeks to count the ballot. We've only got two and a half months to do that between the November election and um, uh, Inauguration Day. Uh, We could have uh, huge delays all over the country, particularly if there's litigation going on contesting the results. And, you know, there have been, Mark, I couldn't believe it, there have been upwards of 150 lawsuits filed this year, an unprecedented number, uh, almost all by liberals, trying to change the rules governing elections, uh, including things, by, by the way, of trying to get rid of the security protocols governing absentee or mail-in ballots, saying you shouldn't uh, have to um, uh, have a witness uh, signature on your ballot and other things like that. So if we can imagine litigation going on all over the country after November, big, long delays in counting the ballots, it's possible that for the first time in our history, we, we could get to January 20th and not know the outcome of the election because of the litigation going on all over the country. And this is exactly why we come full circle. Hillary Clinton said, unbelievably, exposed the whole the whole fraud, the whole scheme, the sabotage, said this. Cut one, hat tip right scoop. Go. So we've got to have a massive legal operation. I know the Biden campaign is working on that. We have to have poll workers, and I urge people who are able to uh, be a poll worker. We have to have our own uh, teams of people to counter the the force of intimidation that the Republicans and Trump are going to put outside polling places. This is a big organizational challenge, but at least we know more about what they're going to do. And, you know, Joe Biden should not concede under any 
circumstances because I think this is going to drag out and eventually I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch. So now who's the dictator? Who is it that won't accept the results of the election? And the problem is you can't even ask Joe Biden these questions for two reasons. One, he's unavailable. And two, the media won't ask him. Will he accept the outcome of the election? Well, why are you hiring hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of slip and fall lawyers? So you heard this. That's why I'm playing this over and over so the backbenchers get a hold of it, play it as well. Pretty damn shocking, don't you think? Yeah, this is their plan. This has been their plan. Becky, Napa, California, XM Satellite, go. Yes, sir. Hi. Uh, Hi. Just wanted to mention to you, I got an email today, and <clears throat> it's supposedly from the Secretary of, uh, of State in California, and mm-hmm. they're asking me if I want to track my ballot. And, uh, you know, you pile on all your demographics, which they already know I'm Republican. So what does that mean? Are they going to... Are they going to... I just don't trust them. You know, it sounds like a really cool idea. Track the ballot. Track your ballot is what it says. Well, they're going to have a hell of a database, aren't they? Yeah, yes, indeedy. Why don't don't they just encourage people to vote in person? Where they have poll workers, poll watchers, uh, judges of elections, and all the other stuff we used to do. And the reason is... As California goes, uh, so goes Rhode Island. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Jeff, Orlando, Florida on the Mark Levin app. Go, Jeff. How you doing, uh, Mark Levin? Um, well, thank you. My point. Um, the Democrat Party is using us as tokens. 
Every four years, they come to the Democrat district, want our votes. They do not deliver on their promise. That's why I'm a, a Republican right now, because every four years, it's the same thing. I just came through the Democrat district. Eight years in Obama, the grass down here is high up to your waist. The trees is not manicured or nothing. Mm-hmm. What? Have you always what? been a Republican? Uh, the last eight years, I've been listening to you, and excuse me, I'm going to say uh, the Rush Limbaugh, I listen to him, too. Uh, uh, Why me. not? Uh, he's, he's one of my best friends. That's good. Okay, okay, I'm just making sure about that, because you're number one, and I listen to you every single day on my uh, Our Heart Radio. Uh, I live in Orlando, Florida. There's no radio station down here oh, for you at all down here, but I listen to you through the Our Heart Radio. Thank you. We used to be on there. We used to get great ratings. I don't know what happened. I can't keep track of all of them. Jeff, I want to thank you, my friend. You take care of yourself. Keep your chin up, too. Uh, I'm going to save the Attorney General of New York, Mr. Producer, cut three for tomorrow, because this is very important. And let's dip into the Republican National Convention. Go ahead. And to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I'm Myron Lizer, the vice president of the Navajo Nation. I give this address from the majestic rock spires of Shiprock, Sebet Ai, or Rock with Wings, as known by our Diné people. It is here as well that many of our ancestral leaders sought to govern and lead a nation within a nation. They sought to lead their people into the promises of a better way of life for their children's children. It is also where they have not been as successful as the rest of America. Our First Nations people, the host people of the land, we are still here. Our Creator placed us here and knew for such a time as this, we would have an opportunity for an appeal to heaven. You see, our people have never been invited into the American dream. We, for years, fought congressional battles with past congressmen and senators that were part of a broken system that ignored us. That is, until President Trump took office. President Trump delivered the largest financial funding package ever to Indian country. The $8 billion in CARES Act funding to Indian country was a great start in alleviating the devastating effects that the COVID-19 pandemic has inflicted on our Indian tribes. The Navajo Nation once led the nation in per capita positive cases because of the health disparities that previous administrations failed to improve. Whenever we meet with President Trump, he has always made it a priority to repair the relationship with our federal family. Recently, President Trump signed the first ever presidential proclamation officially recognizing missing and murdered American Indians and Alaska Natives. He established a task force called Operation Lady Justice to address the problem. The president also provided $273 million to improve public safety and support victims of crime in the Native American community. As a result, a cold case office was recently opened on the Gila River Indian community. The president has reactivated the White House Council on Native American Affairs to promote economic development and rural prosperity in Indian country. President Trump also strengthened the Supreme Court by nominating strong conservative judges like Neil Gorsuch, who supports Native American rights. Thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. I'm excited to endorse President Trump's re-election. And Mr. President, we look forward to hosting you very soon. Come visit our land we call Denetra. Thank you very much. I had always had this unshakable sense that I know that I know 
that life has to be more than what it was I've been living. I caught my very first felony conviction at 16 years old, and that type of behavior had led me into more and more arrests, getting in trouble until the age of 37 years old. I was arrested for a string of bank robberies. And based off of my criminal history, there is a potential that a federal judge can sentence me up to uh, 23 years uh, in a maximum security United States federal penitentiary. And in that moment, I played a let's make a deal with God. And I asked God to climb into the robe of that judge. Whether it's 10 years or 50 years, I'm going to invest the rest of my life serving you. And I stood before that federal judge. Judge Mahan took his glasses off, leaned back and said, I don't know why I'm going to do this. But he said, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. And he gave me a lesser sentence. And as I laid on that stainless steel cell, shackled by my hands and my feet, I heard God utter into my spirit, my son, I honored what you asked me to do. He said, never forget the promise that you made to me. And ever since that day, I got up off that floor and my life went in a 180 degree turn when john got that sentence i just shook my head i said wow john you are destined for for bigger things than than prison my name is richard beasley i was a fbi special agent for about 25 and a half years it was something about his demeanor when he walked into that room i had this feeling like everything's gonna be okay then when he got out he gave me a call and says hey rich let's let's have lunch so i met him at the mcdonald's and he's got a Bible with him. I've seen that before where guys have used a Bible as a prop. It took me about uh, 30 seconds to understand that this was not a prop with John. He was a changed guy from the man that I arrested, you know, several years before. When I saw the way that he treated me fairly, you know, I saw the man behind the suit. I started thinking, man, if that worked for me with this law enforcement officer, how can I multiply that? and get more law enforcement officers involved so that we can impact this on a, on a larger scale. Mark Levin show, this is the RNC convention. President Trump, he had made a, a bunch of promises. Let me just be transparent. When he first started talking about the things he was going to do, I'm sitting there going, wait a minute here. I mean, is he serious? Because everything that he was saying that he wanted to do was the stuff that needs to be done. And before he walked out that meeting that day, I promised I'll make it out there uh, to, you know, come speak at one of your graduations. I heard that they were, were phenomenal. When he stood there in that graduation and he went out of his way to shake the hand of every one of those 29 graduates, set them on a whole nother vista of life because they had the office of the president of the United States the promises that he made was promises that he kept. Two years ago, I was honored to tell John Ponder's story of transformation in the Rose Garden on the National Day of Prayer. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome him back to the White House. John's life is a beautiful testament to the power of redemption. John grew up without his father. 
As he tells it, my mother was strong, but she wasn't able to keep us out of the gangs and off of the streets. And they were violent streets. At the age of 38, he was arrested for bank robbery. While John was in prison, he began reading the Bible and listening to Christian radio. One day, he heard Reverend Billy Graham on the radio proclaim, Jesus wants to be Lord of your life. On that day, John dedicated his life to Christ. He spent the rest of his time in prison studying the Bible. When he was released, he heard a knock at his door. It was the officer who put him in jail, FBI Special Agent Richard Beasley, who said, I want you to know that I've been praying for you. Now, Richard and John are best friends, and we are grateful that Richard is here with us today. In the last 10 years since John was released, he has created one of the most successful reentry programs, Hope for Prisoners in Las Vegas. I was glad to speak there earlier this year. As John says, Hope for Prisoners is a movement that began as a dream in a tiny prison cell and is now making a difference in the lives of thousands, truly bringing hope that there is an opportunity and a community that is waiting and willing to offer them a second chance. John, we honor your devotion to showing returning citizens that they are not forgotten. We believe that each person is made by God for a purpose. I will continue to give all Americans, including former inmates, the best chance to build a new life and achieve their own American dream. And a great American dream it is. Now I'd like to ask John and Richard to say a few words. I can't tell you how grateful I am to have the opportunity to speak here today. Not so long ago, my life was running from the police, fearing the police, and avoiding the police. Not because of anything that the police had done to me personally, but due to the animosity I had allowed to grow inside of me, making me believe that they were my enemy. But today, praise God, I am filled with hope. A proud American citizen who has been given a second chance. My transformation began in a prison cell where I found myself a three-time convicted felon facing yet another sentence. I gave my life to Jesus and made him a promise that I would spend the rest of my days helping others like me. My first help and support came from the unlikeliest of places, the FBI agent who arrested me, Richard Beasley. He is now a dear friend and has been a source of encouragement to me throughout my entire journey. I am grateful for the men and women of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department who volunteer their time to people who are returning to our local community after incarceration. These are the real life heroes who put their lives on the line every day armed with the promise that they made to protect and to serve have made a tremendous impact in the lives of men and women reintegrating back into our society. My hope for America is that formerly incarcerated people will be afforded the opportunity to take advantage of the fact that we live in a nation of second chances. My hope for America is that law enforcement and people in the communities across our country can come together and realize that as Americans, we have more in common than we have differences. My hope for our great nation is to continue on this path we are on of being the most prosperous country in the world. I'm so well, we're going to have to take a break, but this is so inspiring. It's so fabulous. It really is. You notice this gentleman, and that's what he is. Doesn't blame the system. Doesn't blame the cops. 
He blamed himself. He found faith. And he fixed his life. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. truths to be self-evident from tonight's convention that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness without life there can be no liberty without liberty there is no happiness without equality there is no opportunity America has strived since its founding to promote equality under the law, to correct injustices, and to ensure opportunity for all. It is a work in progress, not always perfect. Some look at American opportunity and see only problems. They want equal outcome, not equal opportunities. They criticize without solutions, demand wealth without work. Their ways are historical failures evidenced by tyranny and poverty, a prevailing darkness in every country it has been tried. The American dream inspired by American opportunity is the engine of entrepreneurship. Oh, it's beautiful, Mike. The inspiration to the greatest inventions, the highest achievements, and establishing a quality of life second to none, providing jobs, creating futures, fulfilling dreams in america opportunity preserves individual freedom it leads to exceptionalism it's a bright shining light an example for all to see tonight we explore together america land of opportunity Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Let's go to Nathan in Philadelphia. He's been waiting a little while. The great WPHT, home of me. That's where I was born. Nathan, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mr. Levin. It's an honor to speak with you tonight. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. My goodness gracious. I, I, just, I just wanted to say, listen, every one of your books, I've read them, and every night I listen to your show, it's like a history lesson. 
you know, 801, 901 level stuff. It's fantastic. Wow. And Thank you. That book, that book you wrote, Liberty and Tyranny, that ought to be college curriculum for everybody. That was everybody. the hottest book. I tell you, it sold one and a half million copies. Nobody ever saw anything like it. Unbelievable. You know, so can I tell you a little story? Yeah. You know, when I, when I finished that book, that book took me 14 months to write. Uh, it was the, uh, the third book I've ever, I ever wrote, but it was the toughest book because I had to decide what I wanted to focus on. And I sent the, uh, the draft to my father, and I said, Dad, what do you think? And a week later, a week later, he calls me and he says, Son, that's a million seller. I said, Dad, you just say, he said, No. No, you don't understand. And it sold 1.5 million copies, Nathan. Isn't that unbelievable? You know what? It's not unbelievable. I wish it would sell more. Well, it's you're ve- you're very, very kind. That music means I have to skedaddle. I apologize. But I wanted to get you in. You've been waiting. From the city of brotherly love. Thank you, Nathan. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel. All you patriots that make this country work. Who believe in this country. Levinites. God bless you. I'll see you right here. Same place, same time tomorrow. Take care. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.